There's a lot of people in the sports world nowadays. Athletes, media personalities, bloggers, podcasters, video producers, influencers. All with amazing stories to share about how they got to where they are today and where they're going tomorrow. I'm DJ Fluke, and along with my partners, Kate Thompson. I'm sorry, I didn't go to a college that has football teams, so sometimes I space out. And Jillian Fisher. Hey! Oh my gosh, I alerted my pug and he's like, oh no, don't bark, please don't bark. We're here to share those stories in something we like to call StadiumScene.tv's main event. Hey, before we get started, this episode was also recorded as a video, which is available on YouTube via the description of this podcast episode. Otherwise, enjoy the show. Before we get started today, I just want to go on record here and uh, and note that so Last week, there was this obviously big segment that I put at the beginning of the video about all the Malort discussions. Uh, I tried last week to make a Malort cocktail. Didn't work. It, it, it didn't. At what point in your head did that make sense? I mean, I figured you could do something with it. Um, I, you know, and the funny thing, too, Arsenic? is that... Um, yeah. Rat poison? Yeah, I mean, maybe. You know, I could drink some Drano or something maybe that yeah actually it's funny is Malort's social media um is pretty funny and they've actually like put me on there a few times in the last like week and a half for my support of their beverage but I mean they they know like they know it's it's not good and like they have videos of and pictures of like uh there was a wedding recently where a bride and groom um for the the toast instead of doing champagne they all did shots of Malort and, you, you know, they posted like a, the, a collage of the faces of everybody after they, they drank the Malort. It was, it was quite funny. But then I tried to mix it with some Dr. Pepper and it was like oil and water. You like you couldn't taste the Dr. Pepper. The Malort just still stood out. So still experimenting. We'll find something to do with that. But I have to finish that bottle. I do not let things go to waste. So on that note. This is a, uh, a new segment that we're doing for the first time. This was Kate's idea. So I'm going to let her take the lead. Okay. So welcome to our first episode of Play by Play, where we're going to read books that are sports related or journalism related and talk about them. Um, and and yes, for the record, I DJ's doing book read. on tapes. I can read. <laughs> so... It'll be hosted by myself and DJ. And to kick it off, our first book was Talking to Goats with Jim Gray. So DJ, want to give a quick summary? So Jim Gray, um, you know, he was, uh, not was, still is. He, he's an interviewer. You know, he's been on, worked for NBC, he's worked for Fox. Um, ESPN. ESPN, HBO, or was it Showtime? I, but anyway, he always seems to find himself either involved or in the presence of the craziest events of the last 30 years. And going through this book, the thing that stood out to me is, one, he's been around some very incredible people uh, and, and has talked to incredible people. And this was set up as a, a 
you know, he's talking to goats and he, you know, the cover goes through and he says, Ali, Jordan, Tiger, Kobe, Phelps, Tyson, LeBron. But, I mean, this really is his memoir of his experiences. And there's just some wild stuff in here. Uh, you know, especially with like Mike Tyson, um, you know, it gets in and he talks about his friendship with Mike Tyson at the very beginning. And one of the things that stood out to me, which we'll get into in a little bit, is his uh, infamous Pete Rose interview at the World Series uh, back in the late 90s. Okay, so thanks for that summary. It, I really enjoyed this book. I don't know about you. Um, I wanted to I share did. one of I wanted to share a quote that really resonated with me, and it's from the Tom Brady chapter, which anyone who's listened to this um, podcast knows I'm not the biggest Tom Brady fan, because I think he's overhyped, <laughs> but I know, but I have to admit after reading this book that, yeah, he does, he does deserve the title of GOAT. So the the quote that really resonated with me was, um, where did he has thrown the perfect pass, played the perfect quarter, and led the perfect comeback? He wants to be able to do it again and again, but he can't. No one can. You can touch perfection, but you cannot hold on to it or take it home with you. If you're great enough, you can borrow it like Tom has. That's. That, that proves just one thing right there. It proves that you read the first 10 pages of the book because that's the introduction. <laughs> what? No. Oh, are you actually, oh, oh, you're reading his, okay, never mind. I didn't I, read from the foreword, asshole. <laughs> this is on page 177. Oh. But yes, Tom Brady wrote the foreword to the book. Did you read the appendix to DJ? I did. And the, the index? Yes, I did. The, uh, like I said, just the, the craziest thing about this book is that, you know, Jim Gray happened to, he, he happened to get word about Tiger Woods when he was a kid. And this was this, you know, he was a young kid, like five years old and and he managed to, you know, he took the trip out there. He wasn't working. I don't think he was working for anybody yet. I think he was just kind of, uh, you know, contract work for ESPN, I, I think it was at the time of his career. And he was trying to break in and make a name for himself. And here's the story about this, like, five-year-old kid who's, like, playing golf at a, you know, probably better than I do today. And, uh, and he goes out there and meets him. He talks to him and, and he shoots this video. And a few years later, you know, Tiger now all of a sudden is on the big stage. You know, he's the youngest master's champion. And all of a sudden Nike is making commercials and using the footage from Jim's interview that he recorded when Tiger, you know, the clip of Tiger about saying he's going to be the best. He's like five years old. Jim Gray was the one who recorded that interview and owned the, the property. And they didn't get Jim's permission to use that in this ad campaign. They just like, you know, the Woods family just sent this over. And it, I mean, it wasn't anything malicious. And Jim goes into that in this, this book that, it, you know, he doesn't think Nike did anything to you know try to screw him or anything. It was just an honest mistake. But it's still funny that this interview that kind of helped bring Jim into the mainstream ended up being used as like the, hey, Tiger Woods is here. He's now a big, huge star. 
Yeah, that was interesting because I didn't realize he's Tiger started playing that early. <laughs> I did from the commercial from, you know, 20 years ago. Oh, you mean back when you were an adult yes. and I was still a kid? Yes. Um, DJ, you want to share your quote? Yeah. So, uh, like I said, Jim Gray always seemed to find himself either in the tensest situations, which, or, or in the craziest of events. And a lot of people first heard of Jim Gray, probably from a infamous boxing match in the late nineties involving Mike Tyson and Evander Holyfield that involved a piece of Evander Holyfield's ear going missing. I still can't believe that he was there. Well, yeah, I mean, that's it's boxing is his is number one thing. And it, the, the craziest thing of all is like, you, you, as an outsider, you know, you're watching this. I, and I remember where I was. I like, I, I, it was a, I'm pretty sure it was a pay-per-view event, but we were watching it at my parents' house as a kid. And all of a sudden, you know, Tyson just, it, to the outside, it looks like Tyson just went in there and just bit his ear off for no reason because, hey, this guy's a loose cannon. He's been to jail, um, you know, and like this guy's nuts. And, and then like Jim, who had this relationship with Tyson, went down there after the fight and, and just basically said, well, like, what were you doing? And, and he showed him that like Evander Holyfield was headbutting him in the face. And, and I think, I don't know if he broke his orbital bone in his eye, but they, this was the complaint from the previous fight that Holyfield was headbutting him and it wasn't being called. And finally Tyson snapped and, and just bit his ear. Retaliated. <laughs> yeah. And it, it just, you know, the thing that Jim posts, you know, talks about Tyson you know, and the thing is, I'm not even answering your question. This wasn't even my quote. I just, you know, I had to preface this, but the, um, you know, it, he, he always said that Tyson was a guy that always told him the truth. He would always, you know, tell where he stood on things. You, you, you know, even in like a moment like that, he didn't hide behind his, his people. He didn't hide behind Don King. He went out there and, and said like, Hey, this is what I was thinking. And it's like, sounds crazy, but it's just like, man, this, this is pretty authentic, I guess is the right way. Yeah. So a couple of years later at the world series, there's an infamous interview from, I believe 1999, they were introducing the all century baseball team. And, you know, Pete Rose was voted in because, you know, he was one of the best players of the century, if not, you know, top five, top 10, but he had been banned from baseball the decade before for gambling denied to this day or not. To, well, up to that point, he denied it to that day. And Pete was on the field. Jim set up and interviewed him and he kind of misjudged the whole, like, you know, here's what it's the, it feels like at the stadium. Here's what it feels like at home. And it was just like this big orchestra at home and, this big moment. And then, you know, a lot of people felt that Jim kind of ruined it by going in and, and saying, Hey Pete, do you want to admit that you actually did gamble? Um, and it just turned into this awkward, really tense interview on live television. And um, a lot of people were upset with him, very upset with him uh, resulted in a lot of death threats. Uh, you know, members of the New York Yankees in the world series that year were, refusing to talk to him they were refusing to talk to him and 
uh, player Chad Curtis uh, hit a, a a home run to win the game, and you know Jim was on the field and doing the the post game interview like he was there to do, and and Chad walked up to him and um, uh, he said, "I congratulate him." and asked him the most neutral question I could possibly have left my lips. In fact, I didn't even ask a question. Chad, tell us about that pitch. I can't do it, he said. As a team, we kind of decided because of what happened with Pete, we're not going to talk about it here on the field. He had waited by my side for a minute to say this on the air, simply to embarrass me. Then he added, I do want to say it was for you, though, Grandma. Thanks. He turned to walk off. Chad, I asked, you don't want to walk, talk about the home run? He was gone. So what could you do about that situation? All right, Bob Costas, I said, back upstairs to you. That, you know, in the the minute before they went live on television with this, no mention of this, they purposely waited to do this live on TV to to humiliate him. And, you know, they later found out that, you know, the the Yankees didn't agree to this. Chad Curtis was kind of a a tool. And... Mm -hmm. um, you know, looking in later, he actually got himself into some legal trouble for some things we're not going to discuss here. Uh, you know, it was not a, not a good guy. But anyway, then the next part of it was um, he went back to the hotel. He had his security with him because he was getting death threats for this Pete Rose interview. Uh, and by the way, Pete never, like, said no topic is off limits. Like, he said, hey, I'm going to ask you this. And Pete never said no. Like, you ask me whatever you want. And then he did. And then Pete got all combative with him over it. So he really, I mean, I guess he kind of should have expected the backlash for this, but at the same time, it's like, you know, he, he did his prep. He warned, of, of, you know, beforehand and it still blew up in his face <laughs> and everything all turned when he went back to his hotel that night, he had a security guard sitting outside his door because he, you know, feared for his life. And there's a knock at his door, looks out. It was George Steinbrenner, the, you know, the longtime owner of the Yankees. And uh, he, um, he was at his door and he asked if he could come in. And George says, I want you to know a few things. First of all, I didn't think that interview was that bad. Second, what happened tonight at the stadium doesn't represent the way the New York Yankees organization feels about you. It doesn't represent my feelings. You are always welcome at Yankee Stadium. And don't worry about that player, what he said tonight. He won't be here much longer. If we were fortunate enough to win this series, I'm very cautious about counting on anything before that happens. There will not be a single Yankee who will act inappropriately during the trophy presentation. And that happened. Um, you know, it was very tense and you can see that like he was hanging out next to the Yankees dugout after this and players were just kind of giving him like death stares. And after that, you know, Steinbrenner had this reputation of being, you know, kind of nuts, but like his people respected him and he, he put a stop to it. And, and it kind of put a, a new perspective on, on George Steinbrenner, who, you know, always thought was kind of an arrogant jerk, but it's like, he really stepped up big for him and, and really put a stop to it. I mean, you know, people are still like to this day, he said, come and comment about that to him, but still like that could have got really out of hand and, and Seinbrenner stepped up big for him. Hang on one second. Okay. All right. 
So one thing I really enjoyed about this book is that it covered both the good and the bad. Mm-hmm. Um, last night I was flipping through it, reminding myself of what I had read. And I locked in on the LeBron chapter where the decision was filmed. Ah, yes. And it had backlash. So Another I backlash. really. <laughs> hmm? Another backlash. It seems to be a recurring trend of this book. Yeah. So one thing that really like got to me was overall in this book, he talks about talking to all these people, all these famous, famous athletes, but he admits not everything is perfect. And as starting or starting out our podcast, and even now we're not perfect. And while we don't get the backlash that he gets at the national level, we could potentially say something at some point. So this book was filled with great um, lessons. Did you watch the decision? Like, did you watch it at live? I did. No. I, I remember where I was when uh, I, I was actually sick, like homesick in bed because it was on at like eight o'clock. I was already in bed and I was watching TV. And I just remember when, you know, LeBron did his, I'm, you know, I'm taking my talents to South Beach line, which I don't think anyone will ever, you know, let him forget that. Uh, just that dumb line. Um, I, I remember just like vividly remember just laughing like, oh my God, Cleveland's going to be on fire tonight. And uh, kind of did it, it. The the backlash in Cleveland was pretty bad. I mean, you know, your hometown son, walked out on you and you know you, you would see just jerseys being burnt and it was it was messy i mean he obviously moved back you know went back patched up the relationship won a championship ultimately left again under much less fanfare um but it, it was it was ugly like they walked out of thinking hey this this was pretty good i think we we really did something here and and to find out that like nope this was a disaster like it was it was rating skull, but it was a disaster. Hey, I do have to commend them for donating the profits mm-hmm. to the Boys and Girls Club from that episode. Yes, yeah, that that was noted. Um, it was the, uh, I can talk. Um, yeah, the single biggest <laughs> donation to that organization. Yeah, I mean, there was a lot of good that came out of it, and. I mean, it really kind of changed the landscape of, of how interviews are, are held. Um, you know, it, it, a lot of journalists were upset by it, too, because, you know, the, when you are reporting something in, in the sports world, you, you know that, like, you want to be the guy that breaks the scoop that, hey, we know LeBron's going to Miami. And you know, Jim Gray more or less took that away from these guys because LeBron and his camp kept their mouth shut. Like not even the owner of the the Cleveland Cavaliers knew what he was doing. And he wrote a pretty nasty letter um, in response that I'm I'm sure he he regrets to this day, but um, you know, it it just, the reporters were upset. The, the Cleveland fans are upset, you know, the crowd in general of just like, okay, you arrogant person, why would you, you know, go on and just pat yourself on the back for a half hour. And then like, 
you know, the, the thing kind of dragged on for a while that people are also upset about. It's like, you know, he comes on and announces this decision of what he's going to do. It was, you know, this 30 minute long special. And the first like 20 minutes of it is like, Oh, how are you feeling? How, how's the, you know, how's the family? How's the, how's the summer going? You know, are you, are you confident in this decision? And then, you know, what is it? Just like, just like, let's go, let's move this, move it along. Oh, let's go to commercial first. But it's just like, you know, it, it's, it's a forever will be a major factor or, you know, a major sports moment, like regardless of what anyone's opinion is. So did this book influence your opinion on anything, DJ? I, I think the Steinbrenner, I mean, it's, it was more surprising than anything. Some of the things, I mean, the, the Steinbrenner story, you know, it, it did put a new kind of light on, on my opinion of him. I, I was I admit, I was like a lot of people that are like, okay, this guy's just a pompous, arrogant jerk, but it, it seems like Steinbrenner has this history of like quietly going behind the scenes and, and backing people. And, you know, just reading some of the stories I've, about him and just, I mean, it, it did, it changed my opinion of him. Um, you know, and, and the, the Tyson stories, I do want to mention this. There's two pages in this book with a chapter. Oh, are you talking about the picture pages that are probably your favorite? No, it's a, it's like two. Yeah, it's, it's two pages. This is the entire chapter of his story of Michael Jackson. <laughs> yeah, I remember that. I was texting you when I read it. I'm like, Michael Jackson's in this book? <laughs> uh basically the uh, you know i don't want to blow this for anybody but basically there's two pages in this book or it's, it's really like just slightly more than a, a full page of this book of he was at a boxing match in the 90s and michael jackson comes into the boxing match and he sits down and um yeah, the, the match is over and, and everybody's like leaving and Michael's like, oh, is it over? <laughs> what? That sounds like me when I go to sporting events. Like, I understand sports, but sometimes I'm just so like, I look at the bigger picture that I forget the smaller aspects. <laughs> so I have to say this book did influence on me a little bit. Um, we've always said our biggest, like, piece of advice in stadium scene is the worst someone can say is no. But Jim constantly is following up, like, trying to get that connection. So while the worst someone can say is no, maybe that first no isn't the stopping point. He also showed, you know, why he has these connections and why he's able to get these assignments and these interviews is, is he, he has those connections to these athletes. Like, you know, he, 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 he worked his way, he built those relationships with these people like, you know, Al Davis, the late owner of the Raiders. Um, you know, he, he built these, these relationships up that like, you know, Al was, pretty open with him where a lot of reporters, I, you know, I seemed like he wasn't, but, 
you know, he got in, you know, Tyson, another example, um, you got to know Muhammad Ali. And, the, you know, the other thing, too, is that with journalists, you can say that, like, you know, you're supposed to be an unbiased reporter. And it's like, can you be an unbiased reporter if you're becoming friends with these people? And there is criticism of, of his methods. But mm-hmm. at the same time, you know, he's being able to tell these stories and, and report on these things and get these stories because of those relationships. So it's, it's kind of a, a double-edged sword here. I mean, and I'm, you know, I'm speaking as not a journalist, but, you know, you, you hear about these, these journalists that are reporting and they get the scoop before everybody else. It's because of those relationships, because of, you know, they may not be like Michael Jordan or Tiger Woods or something like that, but they've got those relationships in the front office of, of people, you know, you've probably never heard of that are scooping them out. Like, Hey, we're about to go sign this player. We're about to link, you know, get this contract. And, and they, you know, they give them that scoop and that's how they report. And, and they're the first ones out to say, Hey, you know, LeBron James is going to the Lakers and he signed in this deal. Like somebody leaked that out to him because they have that relationship. Anything you would change on this book? No, I don't think so. Um, yeah, I, I mean, really it was, enjoyed it. It as was very, it was very entertaining. I mean, I, it was very, you know, every chapter was very different. Every experience was very different. Um, you know, and we didn't even get into like, he was at the, the malice in the palace, which we've discussed on here with the, the Pacers and Pistons fight. Um, you know, his experiences with Ron Artest, um, you know, he figured out that Michael Jordan was retiring from basketball the first time before he went to play baseball. Um, I mean, it's just, it, it seemed like if there was a major sports story, he was on it, he was on it. He was there or he knew how to get himself there to, to report on it. Yeah. So one of the goats he talks about is his dad. And mm-hmm. I thought that was really like personal and really gave the human aspect to this book. Um, because while, yes, we know he's a human, we see him right here. I don't know. Have you seen Men in Black? Yeah, um, no, we're just, we're just not, not going there. We're not going there today. No, we're, we're, we're not going there. But the fact he talks about his experiences with his dad at the masters and golfing it the biggest influence in most people's lives are their parents so i thought that was a really great way to include the personal aspect and i mean he he tells the story of he would go to the masters and cover the masters for many years and his dad would come with him and, you know, they climb up the tower together and, and he talks about, you know, for over a decade, they did this and it got to the point where his father was, was too old and he couldn't climb up there with him anymore. And it just kind of like, it, it was, it was in a way it was sad. I mean, it was, you know, they had this longtime connection and it was just like, he knew like it, the moment it hit him that it's like, you know, his, his time is, uh, is almost up. Okay. So to wrap up on the book, one to 10, one being you're burning this book the minute we finish this podcast, 10 being you're going to reread it multiple times. How do you rate this book? We give it a nine. I was going with a seven. I probably will not reread it. However, 
I do not regret reading it. I, I think it's full of great stories and great information. I think there are as I don't think I would fully reread this, but I think there are stories in this that I would reread and quite a few stories actually. Um, it was very, I, I found it very enjoyable because I mean, this, his career spans from, you know, my childhood to today. And it's like, you know, I have a lot of memories growing up of, of these stories and it just, it really hit close to me that it's like, you know, I remember watching this live on television. I remember this story live on television. I remember, you know, I remember where I was when Tyson bit off Holyfield's ear and it just, it really connected with me. I, I think just kind of going back and seeing somebody else's perspective from someone who was there at these events. And somebody's calling me on a Saturday morning. Um, Ooh, is it your extended car warranty? No. Wow. It's my other phone. So final thoughts. I thought this was a great book. Great. If anyone's thinking about reading it, do it. It was worth it. And Jim Gray, you have an open invitation to come on the show. We reached out to you recently and we haven't heard back yet. So just, oh, FYI, that just... just FYI, your, uh, your agent or your, you know, your people are, uh, you know, that note may not have made it to you. So I'm going to be sure to tag you in the, the release of this episode to know you have an invitation, open invitation to come on and talk to us. Mine has all of his social media handles in the back. Yeah. Well, mine too, because it's the same book. <laughs> so speaking of books, what's our next one? Our next one is dealing with another controversial figure in the sports world. It is the autobiography, New York Times bestseller, Lucky Bastard by Joe Buck. So we'll be reading this and we'll be talking about this one next month. So um, this book came highly recommended um a lot of people actually a lot of people cannot stand joe buck for whatever reason i i personally like him um you know his his interviews that he does with like howard stern and others are, are very funny i think he's act, you know and he understands that like i mean the title of his book is lucky bastard his dad was you know legendary announcer jack buck and he knows that he knows that he's in his career and got to his career as quickly as his did because his father's a legend and he pokes fun of himself all the time. And, and can you really be that bad of a guy if you're aware of your situation that you can poke fun of yourself? Like really? But I guess a lot of people have read this book have said that their opinion of him changed. I already have a pretty decent opinion of him, So I'm really looking forward to this. Okay. So that wraps up our first episode of play by play. If you have any books you want to recommend to us, hit us up on social media. Oh, and subscribe to this channel. Yeah. Can I wrap? Yep. All right. So check us out at stadiumscene.tv, at stadiumscene on Facebook, Twitter, Pinterest, and TikTok, at stadium underscore scene on Instagram. Hit the subscribe button again so you never miss an episode, and we'll see you next time.